What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk Podcast, and you're listening to Locker Room Hype. As always, I'm James Fairchild. Today, I'm absolutely honored to have the privilege to interview 1978 Heisman Trophy winner and all-time great Oklahoma running back, Billy Sims. How are you, Billy? Doing good, young man. How are you doing today? Doing fabulous. Just super good. stoked and excited to speak with you this evening. Well, thanks for being a Sooner fan, and thanks for being a fan in general. And um, hopefully you stay safe and uh, you get a chance to get some of that Billy Sims barbecue. We're not that far. We're not West Texas here. Actually, we don't. We're not even in Texas here. We were a couple of years ago, but we're looking at that market. So one day we'll be there. Well, I'm excited for you to make the move to Texas. We love our barbecue. Oh, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and go into our first question. Uh, you were born in St. Louis, Missouri, and moved to Hooks, Texas, in the eighth grade to live with your grandmother. You initially played baseball and grew up a St. Louis Cardinals fan and showed little interest in football. What made you such a fanatic baseball fan growing up? Well, of course, if you know anything about baseball and the St. Louis Cardinals, they have won a lot of championships. And, uh, of course, I'm 65 years old now, but back in those days, most black kids, we played baseball. We thought football was crazy. You know, who want to get hit and tackled and all that stuff? But when I relocated to live with my grandparents, everybody in the state of Texas played football. And uh, I really didn't start playing football until the 10th grade. And the main reason, I was afraid of getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing led to another and uh, came out in the 10th grade. And uh, my first position was linebacker, really. So I had good speed to run fast and tackle guys. And I was third string running back which was okay with me because we wasn't that good. And uh, I didn't want to play running back anyway. Well, the second game of the season, two guys in front of me were seniors, and they both get hurt. Well, there wasn't nobody left but me. Growing up in a little small town like Hooks, Texas, population 2,000, still that today, believe it or not. And uh, we got better, and out of pure fear, I became a running back. The true story <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get hit. <laughs> How did your high school career prepare you to succeed at the next level? Well, even even in, in high school, I was still even to this day I'm still a big baseball fan, and uh, we got better. And and and, and uh, my name started getting out because a lot of people didn't know what Hooks, Texas was. It's actually right outside of Texarkana, if you're familiar with that town. Yes, sir. Town about. Oh, town about uh, about a hundred thousand people now. But back then it was about thirty thousand. And uh, not bragging, when I came out of high school, I was the all-time second leading rusher nationally, and and uh, in the country. And the guy who had the first record uh, was a guy by the name of Kenneth Hall from Sugarland, Texas. You need to pull this name up and look at him. For 50-some years, he held that record, and I was behind him. Of course, other guys came along and uh, eclipsed my record. And now the guy who holds that record is Derrick Henry from Alabama. Of course, he went to a school in Florida. But just imagine, and he could run Mr. Mr. Uh, at that time. And guess what? He was a white man, so white man can't run. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you hold a lot of Texas State records for most consecutive games with 100 yards or more, which is 38 from 1972 to 1974. That's super is, impressive. Is that still a record? I believe so. Oh, wow. That's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, the thing about that, it was funny because there in Hooks, Texas, we had this little dinery, and every time I went over 100 yards, myself and my team, teammates, we will eat chicken fried steak dinner. So I was running for this chicken fried steak dinner back in those days. I don't blame you. We love some chicken fried steak. Oh, yeah, me too. What advice would you give a young man who is encountering an extensive recruiting process? I've been to that before because I ended up really, I was headed to Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, OU was my last visit. And when I went met the King, Coach Switzer, everything changed after that. But I, I would advise them to be their, uh, be their own person, make their own choice, and check out players that's not playing and see why they're not playing, the things I do, and make sure it's a good educational school for um, because actually, after your playing days are over, you still gonna need to uh, have have, have that, uh, that that high school college education. You're absolutely right. And you mentioned Barry Switzer; he called to recruit you at halftime of OU's 1974 game against Colorado. How surprised were you to hear from Switzer, especially at a spontaneous moment in time like that? Well. Actually, I was surprised because I had just made my last visit. That was Oklahoma. And uh, because, I was, like I said, I was headed to Baylor. I go up there. Uh, they, they had uh, just won the national championship in 74. So I went up there in 75 to visit. Had a great visit. I had already committed to Baylor. And I told Coach Swisher, I said, well, I think I'm going to you know, keep my commitment. And I'm going to go to Baylor. Well, He's trying to put the sooner magic on me now. But I don't know this young kid. And uh, so before I left Norman that time, he said, before you leave, I want you to come meet my family. I said, okay. So I go meet the family. They're all young, then. And uh, they come out there wearing number 20, which he knew that was my jersey number. He's working on me, though. He's still recruiting. Then they turn around, and they had Sims on the back. I'm like shocked because I didn't even have Sims on the back of my jersey in high school. <laughs> so, but he's working me. So where Hooks, Texas is, we're not too far from Idleville, but on the Texas side, probably less than an hour drive. We're right outside of Texarkana. And I'm out there pumping gas, and he knew where I was going to be at. And my coworker, one of the coworkers, holler out, say, hey, Billy, Coach Swiss wanted to talk to you. I thought they was playing a joke on me because I'm listening to the game on the radio. I said, well, he can't be going to talk to me here in Colorado at the football game. Well, I go to the pay phone. You might not remember the pay phone. And uh, it's Coach Swartz on the phone, believe it or not. I mean, that just threw me away. I mean, just, I didn't know what to think then. We talked the whole entire halftime. I can hear the referee come in. He said, Coach, you got to get back on the field. He finished this game. He said, uh, well, you hear that number 20? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, I promise you two things if you recommit and come to this great institution, this great university here in Oklahoma. I'm thinking, okay, here we go. He said, first of all, I'm going to make sure you get your degree before you leave. 
Because I know your grandmother would love that. Well, he pulled the grandmother card on me because he know I love my grandmother. And two, you're going to win the Heisman Trophy. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> did you take him seriously when he said that to you about winning the Heisman? I did and I did, you know. And uh, one thing led to another because at that time, they used to have in the state of Texas the top blue chippers every year mm-hmm. coming out of high school. And at that time, it was 18 of them. 14 out of 18 went to OU. That was the class I was in. Myself, Kenny King, Daryl Hunt, George Cummings, Thomas Lott. You know, the Tabor twins just went on and on. And uh, probably one of his best recruiting class that didn't win the national championship. And I still take blame for that because of that loss against Nebraska that kind of knocked us out of it. But we had the rematch and we ended up winning. But, uh, it's a funny thing, you know, you, you're a freshman, and we used to brag about who was recruited the best. We'll come to find out we all had the same damn story. We all going to win a high school But that was, was one, he's one of the best recruiters to come down the pipe. And I see Coach from time to time, even now. And we, we bring that up. He said, well, one out of five wasn't bad. So. Right. How would you describe Barry Switzer as a coach? How would you describe Barry Switzer as a coach? Well, to me, he never get enough uh, praise for being a head coach. Because, you know, at one time he was offense coordinator for uh, Chuck Fairbanks on his staff before Chuck left. And then Switzer became head coach. But um, he know X and O. And what he really did, and I saw this at the pro level, he let his coaches coach. It's a lot different at the pro level. I remember my head coach, he tried to coach every position. but And he surrounded himself with, with great people that were, knew more about the game than he did because he knew about it. And uh, he let the coaches coach, and he kept feeding the animal. So what, a, what, a, what, a, what a great guy, even to this day. Uh, what stands with me about him, the fact that he told me this as a freshman, that after my playing days was over with, and the crowd and cheers are gone. He still don't have my back. And to this day, 40-some years later, it had changed. Not just me. A lot of players, guys that played for him. That's incredible that you guys still have that strong bond and long-lasting relationship. That's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if he walked to him, talked to you today, you think you've known him all your life. <laughs> yeah, I've heard he's, he's a great a- communicator, just a great person to talk to. Exactly. And uh, from the football standpoint, like I said, he knew X and O, but he let his coaches coach. He kept getting the best players that he thought that could help him out and help him win. Well, in 1978, you swept through defenses like a tornado flying across the Oklahoma landscape. You became the sixth junior and third Oklahoma Sooner to win the Heisman after leading the nation in rushing in 1978. What made your Heisman season so special for you personally? Well, the thing I remember about that season, I wouldn't even, for any award, starting out at the beginning of that season, I was finally healthy for a change because my sophomore year, I didn't play at all. I missed the whole season. A lot of people forget about that. And I had quit, and I went back to Texas to pump gas, not knowing that Coach Wilson came and got me because he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself at that time. Uh, we had a great bunch of guys. And at that time period, 
probably any of those guys in our backfield could have won the Heisman. You had myself, Kenny King, Ellis um, Peacock, another great warrior, David Overstreet. And OU's always had great um, football players. And again, like I said, I was healthy. Matter of fact, my roommate, who was Greg Roberts from Texas, he won the Outland Trophy as the offensive lineman the same year I won the Heisman. And we just had guys that was uh, ready to put it on the line that year and had great coaches to, to uh, listen to. Then the following year, in 1979, you came close to winning the award back-to-back years, something that has never been done except by Archie Griffin, running back from Ohio State. Charles White ended up taking home the Heisman Trophy from USC in 1979. Were you confident towards the end of the season in 1979 that you would be the second back-to-back Heisman winner in college football history? Wow. I didn't know I was going to be the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, like I said, going into my junior year, I had no preseason build-up, really. Nobody wasn't expecting me to do that. And uh, like I said, I was just healthy for a change. But Charles White had a great year that year. Of course, a lot of people, even to this day, think that I should have won it twice. But uh, he had a great year. But but had had the voting came in a lot sooner, because my last two games, I had close to almost – 600 yards, and I might have had a chance to, to win him. But it's definitely hard to win him back-to-back, that's for sure. You're right. I definitely thought you should have won it, personally. Well, thank you, Doc. I was just, like I said, I was just glad to win the first one. I mean, it wasn't even on the radar right. going into my year. I was just glad I was finally healthy for a change and that I could show the Sooner Nation that I was capable of doing. You definitely did. And you've been a colossal presence at Heisman Trophy presentations in recent memory for Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. How does it feel to personally witness other Sooners receive the same prestigious award you did? Well, it makes me feel great. You know, actually, uh, it's funny because I've been saying, saying Boomer Sooner since I won it in 1978. And uh, I remember when Jason won it. Uh, it was uh, 2003? 2003. Yeah, I was right, 2003, when he won it. And uh, I remember when they was giving him the trophy, and I'm looking at it, I'm hollering, boomer, 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 for about 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, he looked back, and he said, oh, yeah, sooner. I said, don't leave me hanging like that, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> but the real truth, he had went out the night before and got drunk. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that makes a lot of sense then, why he wasn't so enthusiastic. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't quite ready in his right mind, but uh, little Jason and we do a lot of stuff together in the state of Oklahoma, me and Steve Owens, another great Heisman winner. And uh, But, yeah, it's uh, to see those other guys come along, we probably, you think about it, probably should have had, had some more. Uh, uh, my, my favorite player at OU was Joe Washington. He should have had one. I agree. And, but... But they was on probation. Nobody saw him, so that costed him probably the year that Archie won it twice, you know. And then probably uh, the year Coach Stoops was there. Uh, uh, what's the quarterback? He's coaching now. Something like that. Josh Yeah, Josh Heifel. Yeah, yeah, he probably should have won one. Right. And, so, uh, and I think uh, Adrian Peterson should have grabbed one as well. Well, I was going to bring that up. Matter of fact, and the problem one year with that, when uh, 
I think it was Jason and, and Adrian spit the most one year. Yes. That kind of, yeah, that kind of hurt, hurt uh, uh, Jason and uh, Adrian. Right. You know, <laughs> you set a big eight single season rushing record in 1978 with 1,762 yards. You led the nation in rushing, averaging more than seven yards per carry and scored 20 touchdowns. You topped the 200 mark in four different games, a school best, and guided the Sooners to a 10-1 and regular season record and a number four ranking in the polls. Which game from that 1978 season was most memorable to you? Let's see. Oh, yeah. The famous fumble. <laughs> Nebraska game. Yeah, against Nebraska on the three-yard line. I run into a lot of people even to this day. Even the people that work for me bring that up. I'm not, I've been threatening to fire this guy if I hear him say that again. But, no, I don't, it, it, it was that game uh, because I think they really cost us a national championship that year. How would you describe playing against rivals like Nebraska and playing in the Cotton Bowl against Texas? Well, you know, looking back, course, back in those days, Nebraska was really our big rivalry game. What Texas? Texas was just for bragging rights because we knew a lot of guys that we played with against high school or maybe even went to school with them you know, in Texas. But Nebraska and us was always for, for the Big 8 championship. Who's going to go to the Orange Bowl? to be Orange Bowl's winners and possibly a shot at the national championship. What was your absolute proudest moment as a Sooner? Proudest moment? Probably the fact that being coached by Coach Switzer and having that friendship even to this day, no question about it. Well, Billy, you were selected in the 1980 NFL draft with the Detroit Lions. You rushed for 1,303 yards to earn Rookie of the Year honors the following fall. Your professional football career was cut short in the eighth week of the 1984 season when you sustained a severe knee injury. Were you optimistic you could return for the 1985 season? Well, of course, you know, being drafted first line, first pick, sounds pretty good until they tell you where you was going. (laughs) 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 I said, Detroit. They had only won two games before I got there. Probably my best year was 83. Uh, we go out to Frisco and play the 49ers and end up losing by a field goal. Had a great kicker by the name of Eddie Murray. Uh, missed the field goal, but don't blame him because really what made him miss it was the fact that wind coming off the ocean out there at Kindlestick at that time where they played. But Eddie went on and Got with the Cowboys, a good friend of mine, we came in as rookies together. He got him a Super Bowl ring. So in my next life, I'm coming back as a kicker. <laughs> hey, that's pretty wise. <laughs> it's the most okay. safest bet. And about the uh, 80, 85 season, I, w- I was hoping I could get back. I was rehabbing a lot and everything and thought uh, I would be able to make it back for the era. A problem trying to come too bad to re-injure it, and basically it was, it was over for me. You were a fan favorite for many years in Detroit playing for the Lions. What were some of your favorite memories playing in the NFL? Well, one thing about that, that whole state of Michigan, that's the way I look at them, some of the, some of the lawyers, lawyers, 
fans in the country. And they've been losing forever. But they show up for the fans. And I've been all over that whole state from top to bottom and uh, number of fans, even to this day. But probably uh, my first game as a rookie against the, uh, at that time, the Los Angeles Rams. Had a pretty good outing. We ended up beating them because they had just come off a Super Bowl loss against the Steelers. They had a three touchdown, 150-something yards. And, and what I was most proud of, they finally realized I could catch catch the ball because <laughs> I had never caught it in college. Well, so they caught it one in college and one in high school. But my rookie year, actually, I was second lead receiver. It gave me another weapon to get one-on-one for somebody trying to tackle me coming out the backfield. You were elected to the Oklahoma Hall of Fame in 1994 and to the College Football Hall of Fame in 1995. Looking back on your illustrious career, what's the most impactful life lesson you've learned? Probably, and even to this day at 65, uh, you can't get through this world by yourself. Uh, the things that I accomplished, I had a lot of help doing it. It's in business. We've been successful because of team-oriented type of atmosphere and and, and good, good people. You know, it, 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 it don't promise you success, but it gives yourself a chance to be successful. And basically, that's, that's how I look at it. Well, these days, you're currently the owner of a chain of restaurants called Billy Sims Barbecue. What inspired you to open your own barbecue business? I'm trying to this day to figure out why did I do this. But actually, my business partner was kind of his idea, something I didn't see happening. I'm thinking when he first approached me about it, really, I'm thinking just a couple of restaurants in, in Oklahoma somewhere, Norman or whatever. And not knowing uh, in 2004, at that time, I was basically living in Dallas. I was involved in charter schools. And uh, around about 2006 or seven, somewhere in there, we started franchising. The rest was history. Got a lot of great people to this day on board that make us happen. And uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of great people because, as I say, you can't get through this world by yourself. Do you plan on expanding the franchise even beyond the states that it's already currently in? Well, yeah, right now uh, we're at about 44 stores, and we're still planning to uh, venture out. Well, that's great. I hope you can come to the Texas Pandal. We'd love to have you. We have restaurants pop up here all the time here in Amarillo. Amarillo, yeah, we have to look at that area. I know Texas loves their barbecue, that's for sure. Yes, sir, and... uh, your buddy Kenny King, he's from a town about 30 minutes outside of Amarillo. So maybe y'all could hook up and have a conversation and hang out. Yeah, he's from Fort Clarendon. Clarendon, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's living in Fort Worth right now. From one sooner to another, I'm incredibly appreciative you decided to spend some time with me this evening. Interviewing a sooner legend like yourself has been a dream come true. Thank you so much, Billy. No, thank you for your time and. Thank you uh, to the Sooner Nation. Boomer! Sooner! (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in to Bomb City Locker Room Talk Podcast and listening to Locker Room Hype.